0: You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us for this week's edition of The Neutral Zone. I'm Phil Milani alongside. Eric Dalala, it's time for the Real Deal. The Broncos start the season this week with the Seattle Seahawks coming to town. Eric, I know you had a chance to uh, preview that game with someone from the Seattle Times.
0: Yeah, Bob Kendota, Seattle Times beat writer for he covers the uh, Seahawks. Good to talk to him. He talked about some familiar faces in Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, also some new ones in Shaquem Griffin, kind of the feel-good story of the offseason who uh, is probably going to be starting on Sunday. But yeah, like you said, finally at the real game, I'm excited to get going here.
1: And We also had a chance to uh, talk to inside linebacker Todd Davis about the matchup. He was recently named a captain. We'll get into that a little bit more uh, with Todd, and then we'll discuss it as well. But first, Eric, let's talk about this uh, Seahawks team that's coming in to start the season with the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos own the longest streak in the NFL. They've won six opening games Will they make it a seventh?
0: Man, I think they've got a pretty good chance here. You know, Case Keenum at home, I think, has a a great shot to kind of keep that streak going. If he can not turn the ball over, which he didn't in the preseason, and if he can take advantage of a young Seattle secondary, kind of the names that we're all familiar with from over the years, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, those guys are gone now. Earl Thomas could maybe play, but it's looking increasingly every day like that's not going to happen as he continues his holdout. Um, Like I said, I talked with Bob a little bit about that in a bit. But if Kays can take advantage of that young secondary, Royce Freeman, new starting running back, can take advantage of uh, some holes there in the middle, Broncos offense should have a good chance to put up some points.
1: Yeah, that legion of boom that uh, Broncos fans are very familiar with from Super Bowl 48 has is gone everybody is elsewhere or out of the league so uh, yeah you hope that uh the offense would be able to carry over some of the success that they've had in the preseason and definitely we saw a spark with case keenum and emmanuel sanders so we'll look for that to continue but on the other side of the ball when the seahawks come to town you know that it's going to be danger wilson uh, russell wilson on the other side of the ball so difficult to uh you know keep in control there
0: yeah he's still the same guy led the league in touchdown passes last year and then with 34 and then you add what he did up with his legs contribute on 37 of their 38 offensive touchdowns which is just incredible um he's really hard to contain and then you look at a guy like Doug Baldwin a receiver who even when he's not 100% dealing with a knee issue right now still dangerous Broncos are going to have their work cut out for them on that side of the ball, I think.
1: Yeah, a big game for both sides is, you know, for Seattle, they're trying to say, hey, we can move on past uh, some of these familiar names and we can still be a good team. For the Broncos, of course, they brought in all these offseason additions looking to uh, get off to a good start and put that 5-11 and season in the rearview mirror. So definitely a big game, maybe a, even a little bit more on the line than just your regular season opener.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially for the Broncos, who are coming off a 5-11 and season, you have to start well. The Broncos have, I think, four of their first five games at home. It's important for them to win a bunch of those. Start the season off well. If you don't do that, you're going to be faced with an uphill climb when you get to those road games later in the season. But if the Broncos can take care of business as you know against seattle this week not looking ahead too far but you got oakland coming in you got kansas city coming in there's a chance to really make a push here early in the season that can set them up for success later in the year
1: yeah definitely uh keeping them on that one game at a time track are going to be the leaders on this team and the broncos of course but naming their captains this week case keenum and matt paradis on the offensive side of the ball von miller and todd davis on the defensive side of the ball and brandon mcmanus and andy janovich On special teams. Any of those surprise you,
0: Eric? Just a lot of first-time captains. That's what stands out to me. Uh, McManus and Vaughn are the only guys coming back. Case, I think, wasn't necessarily a surprise, but Paradis, Todd Davis, Andy Janovich, not necessarily people that maybe fans or media members recognize all that often, but they're clearly really well respected. I was in the team room taking photos when uh, head coach Vance Joseph announced this to the team. Guys were fired up when Todd Davis and Andy Janovich were coming down there. It was it was cool to see.
1: Yeah, I think that we knew that uh, Case Keenum would be a captain. We've seen how this team's responded to him. He breaks down the huddle every time. He's definitely a leader and, and very deserving to be a captain. Um, and like you mentioned, Todd Davis, good for him. And uh, we had a chance to catch up with Todd Davis, ask him why he thought his teammates uh, chose him as a captain and a couple of other things. So uh, now let's get to my conversation with Broncos captain Todd Davis. All right, we are in the Broncos locker room with Todd Davis, just named a captain. Todd, uh, what would that feel like to get voted as a captain? Um, you know, it's a, it's a huge honor for me. Um,
2: knowing that you know, I'm somebody that my teammates will want to uh, follow and you know see as a good example. I mean, it's huge for me. I have a great group of guys, and um, I just want to be the best for them. I want to give everything I have every day, work hard, uh, continue to lead, and uh, I want us to be
1: a great this year. What kind of leader do you think you'll be?
2: Um... I mean, I think I do a little bit of everything. I'll talk a little bit. You know, I definitely like to lead by example, you know, because there, there's guys that can say a lot like Joe Jones. But if you're not, if you're not backing it up, then you got you know, it, it, the words mean nothing.
1: Is it special? I see a lot of the teammates coming up to you in the locker room here congratulating you. Is it that special?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me it's a huge honor. So uh, I love it, man. I love my team. Uh, I feel like we have the greatest team in the NFL, and I'm excited for us this year.
1: How good can this defense be this year?
2: Man, we could be amazing. Uh, we have so many good parts and so much depth depth at parts that people don't know about um so I'm really excited about you know the defense as a whole. Um, Us working well with the offense is just gonna turn out to be a great year for us
1: Do you think there's gonna be some tough times as a captain though too where hey You're gonna have to say some stuff that maybe it's not as comfortable as everybody hoped it would be Yeah,
2: you know as a captain sometimes you have to say some things that people not don't necessarily want to hear But um, when that time comes along, you know I'll, I'll have something to say then but right now. I'm excited and ready to go and I know my team is definitely ready to go
1: Do you think you did something special during training camp during this preseason that guys are seeing you in a different way now?
2: I don't know, you know, I try to just do my best every single day uh, Continue to put my best foot forward work as hard as I can every day And I think it paid off and I think that's why um, my guys named me as captain
1: What was it like this offseason? You got the new contract now now you're a captain What are the expectations like for you personally heading into the season
2: man? I have to have my best season yet, um, you know, I feel like with the new contract um, I feel like I still have to prove people right, you know all the coaches in the GM um, That decided to bring me back. I have to prove them right, you know, um, I still feel like I'm that undrafted free agent that came in, and I still have to do my job at the highest level.
1: Coach uh, was at the podium earlier. He said that since I've been here, Todd's done everything the right way. What do you think that means?
2: Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I guess I just come to work um, ready to work every day. I feel like every day is a new day uh, to try and be my best. Um, I continue to try and be my best every day to work hard, and um, you know, that's my goal every day to come in and be the best me.
1: Off the field, you had your wedding this offseason. Your kids are getting older now. Do you feel like you're just in a different place in your life now than when you first came into this league?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm definitely in a different place. Um, you know, My Friday nights are me, wifey, and the kids. Um, I definitely love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. Mentally, I'm in a different space. Physically, um, I feel like when I'm out there playing, my body's at a different place. Um, this is just setting myself up. I feel like I'm setting myself up for the greatest season of my career. So I'm excited for
1: it We're talking to Todd Davis here on the neutral zone. Just a couple more for you here It's got the Seahawks coming up on uh, Sunday. What do you see from them?
2: Uh, they're a great team. Um, they do a lot of things. Well um, You know that quarterback you definitely have to corral him He's able to get out the pocket make some big plays So I think if we can kind of keep him in the keep him in the pocket and keep him corral we'll, we'll be all right.
1: You ready to get this season started.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm so ready um preseason was fun but it's nothing like the regular season so I'm ready to go. All right Todd, thank you so much. Cool, thank you.
1: Thanks to Todd Davis for coming on the neutral zone. Had a great conversation with him there on what's been a remarkable off season for him. Had his wedding, had the contract extension, now named a captain. So it's been a very busy 2018 for Todd Davis. Uh, but now it's time to get to our first game. Uh, Eric,
0: take it away. Yeah, Phil, we're going to go ahead and uh, get started with our first regular season edition of our Limerick Challenge. Uh, we got another fan calling in. Who do we have uh, on the line today? Bridget Shoemaker. And where are you calling from, Bridget? Arvada. Arvada, awesome. Any fun Broncos stories to, to tell? Five years old and used to watch Rick Upchurch play and... Used to pretend I was him on recess, so
3: I've been a fan a very long time and absolutely
0: love them. That's awesome. Well, we'll see if we can uh, get you some Broncos swag here today. We're going to play our limerick challenge, as I mentioned. We're going to read you three limericks related to the Broncos and the NFL this week. Um, If you can fill in the last word or phrase of two of them, you're going to win. So if you're ready, we'll go ahead and get started. Okay. Okay, here's your first limerick. Broncos fans won't cut any slack to our rivals in silver and black. This week they made a trade which left some dismayed. To the Bears they sent
3: Khalil Mack.
0: <laughs> there you go, exactly a uh, kind of a earth-shattering trade going on down there in the Bay Area. I know a lot of Broncos fans were happy to see Khalil Mack go. Um, ah. <laughs> s- certainly our offensive <laughs> tackles. Uh, we'll play the Raiders next week in Week Two. Um, Here's your next limerick. In Seattle, the rumors still swirl. After an offseason that's been quite a whirl, their safety's holding out, which puts his status in doubt. Versus Denver, they might miss a Thomas named Uh, Earl. um, That was right. You got it. That's it. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Earl Thomas uh, still holding out. He wants a long term deal. Not sure if that's going to get done in time for him to report for Sunday's game in Denver. Obviously, every minute closer uh, puts that a little more in question. Seattle's secondary, not quite as good without Earl Thomas. So we'll see what happens. You always want an opponent at their best, but uh, not quite sure it's going to end up that way. You're already a winner here, but um, we'll go ahead and give you one last one to see if you can make it three for three. Okay. He doesn't share an alma mater with Vaughn. And if you say he went to Cal, he'll be gone. No, Kevin Hogan went to Stanford. I guess he's got high standards because he went to school at the same place as. He he went John Elway, but I do not know (laughs) John, John. Yeah, Vaughn, gone, John. Uh, John, okay. Yeah, John uh, Elway, of course, went to Stanford. Kevin Hogan, I think, broke his passing records while there. I wonder if that came up. Uh, at any point when they were discussing a contract when they brought Kevin Hogan in this week. Uh, congratulations. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're a winner here on the Neutral Zone. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, now we're going to go to part one of my conversation with the Seattle Times' as Bob Kendoda. For the first time this season, we have a game that finally counts, and that means now that we're talking to A writer from an opposing market. We've really got to hone in on those details. We're joined by Bob Condota of the Seattle Times. He covers the Seahawks and Bob uh, thanks for joining us.
3: Sure yeah thanks for having me.
0: Bob I know uh, I saw on Twitter that Earl Thomas is in an airport in Seattle and people are kind of freaking out a little bit. What's going on with Earl Thomas? Is he going to be ready to play this weekend? What are the chances that Broncos fans are gonna see him line up um, on Sunday?
3: Yeah, I don't think there's a, uh, much of a chance of that. Uh, it sounds like he's just back in town to uh, attend to his kids, his daughter specifically, getting off to school tomorrow. So I think his family has sort of kept a, a residence here. Earl has been back in uh, te- Texas working out and stuff like that. So it sounds like he was he's just back in town to do those kinds of things. So Earl has sort of you know made it pretty clear, and I, I don't really see him backing down on this. I guess that he's not reporting unless he has a new contract except that at some point he's probably going to have to report because he's not going to want his contract pulled. pull, but uh, I don't think he's going to do that now. Um, you know, the Seahawks just traded for a safety, so uh, they, they haven't given any indication they're expecting Earl to uh, to show up. Um, they're not negotiating with him. They're not going to give him a new deal. So, uh, you know, I think it's basically just one of those things where, you know, at some point Earl basically has to show up just to fill his contract so he can become a free agent at the end of the year, but I think that's probably – you know, I, I still sort of feel like that's where this is headed, is uh, Earl's not going to show up until he absolutely has to.
0: What are the Seahawks missing without him there, and what does the secondary look like um, with him gone?
3: Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see once the, you know, preseason games are preseason games, and people aren't really trying to, you know, I I don't think other teams are really trying to attack them without Earl. Um, it will be interesting to see what teams start doing there. Um, you know, he's, he's been, he's, I mean, he's one of the best free safeties he's ever played. And one of the things with the Seahawks is he's so good at anticipating things and he's so quick from, you know, from side to side that uh, the Seahawks rarely give up big plays when he's in there. Uh, that's, you know, that's that's what they, When he missed those games at the end of the 2016 season, um, you know, you saw guys like Aaron Rodgers and uh, Carson Palmer and stuff like that in some games they played down the stretch of that year, really attacked the field. And uh, you know, try to go go at the Seahawks that way, and I, I think that's what teams will try to do. Uh, you know, their safety situation. Their, their plan was to start Bradley McDougal, the strong safety, and Tedder Thompson, who played at Colorado, uh, free safety. Uh, Thompson got hurt in their third preseason game; but didn't play last week. Uh, they they sort of said he probably will be okay for week one, and if so, I think that's what they'll do in safety. So I think Tedder Thompson, who only played eight snaps last year, so be his first extended action, uh, I think that's what they'll do. But they did trade for Sh- Shalom Rouhani of the Oakland Raiders over the weekend. Uh, you know, they've got, they've got a couple other ways they could go at the safety spot. They could just play Dougal, the 2 to free three-safety and play someone else at, at strong like Rouhani or Delano Hill or whatever. So uh, I think it's sort of to be determined exactly how that's going to pan out.
0: And I know they've got – the Seahawks have one Griffin at corner and another at linebacker. Uh, Shaquem Griffin obviously got a lot of headlines um, this spring and going into camp. It sounds like from from out here in Denver he's going to start in place of K.J. Wright, who's out. Um, Is that what you're hearing? And what sort of impact do you expect him to make in his first career start?
3: Yeah, yeah. No, K.J. had surgery last week on his knee. So, yeah, I'd be stunned if he played in this game. I, I think everything points to uh, him not playing, and, and Shaquem Griffin having a start in this game. Shaquem has been his backup since uh, since he arrived. Um, you know, Shaquem didn't really play weak side linebacker in college, and so I think some people still kind of look, and it, they're surprised maybe that that's his position, but that's where the Seahawks have had him. Um, they're sort of grooming him, I think, to be the long-term guy there, so uh, another one that will be really interesting to see. He, he made a lot of tackles, but he was their leading tackler in the uh, preseason. I think he had 24 in the four games they played. Obviously, he played a lot being a rookie and with KJ not playing in, in the last game and stuff like that. Um, it will, you know, he's a really different kind of player than KJ Wright. KJ Wright's six, four and, um, really long arms. You know, they call him Spider-Man and all that. Cause he, he can really, you know, his reach from, uh, again, going laterally is, is pretty amazing his team is just really fast, but you know, he's not as physically imposing at all. He's, you know, shorter and doesn't weigh as much and all that. So it will be a safety from that standpoint. I think teams will, uh, I'd be surprised if teams didn't really try to run right at him and kind of see that way. He had some issues in a couple of their preseason games, which Pete Carroll uh, was pretty candid uh, candid about, um, you know, kind of overrunning some of the run fits and things like that. And so, you know, that, uh, you know a rookie playing his first game, he can kind of get pretty hyped up anyway. So, um, you know, if I were Denver, I'd probably really try to go at him early in the game and kind of see how he uh, responds.
0: That was part one of my conversation with the Seattle Times is Bob Condotta talking about the Seahawks defense, some of the Earl Thomas details there. We'll get to more of that in just a second. But first, Phil, it's time to play another game.
1: Yeah, Eric, it's time to play Who Said It? And we have another guest on the line. Uh, Who's calling in today?
0: Uh,
3: It's Mike Russo from Victoria, B.C.,
1: Canada. Oh, Victoria, B.C., beautiful part of the uh, world. Uh, You're actually our second Canadian to call in. Excellent. Good to hear. <laughs> uh, how, how are you, a Broncos fan, uh, living all the way over there?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, big Broncos fan. We're get, we're uh, we're only 15 minutes from Seattle, so there's a lot of Seahawks fans around here. So I probably stick out, but there's still uh, there's still some big love for those guys.
1: Uh, so this week, uh, a lot on the line for you, right? Oh yeah, big time, big game. Yeah, <laughs> I wanna still feel
3: like we need to make
1: up for that football <laughs> Yes, yes, I think we'd all like to forget about that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, um, it's time to play Who Said It. Uh, I'll read you a quote that uh, happened in the past couple of days here, and then you tell me who said it.
3: I'll give him a shot. Go for it.
1: Okay, here's. if you get two out of three, we'll send you a prize. So uh, here's the first one. This is a player talking about being named a starter this week, and the quote goes, You can't get too ahead of yourself thinking about things like that. Everybody here at the NFL, the highest level, and you have to tell yourself you belong. You have to go out there, and you have to prove it every day. Uh, you know that sounds? I'm going to take a shot, but I think that's Royce Freeman. Yes, that's Royce Freeman. Of course, uh, head coach Vance Joseph on Monday named him the starting running back for this first game against the Seahawks. And Royce Freeman, uh, pretty close to you uh, playing up in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. No, that's good. I'm glad to see that guy get that
1: starter, man. He's gonna He's going to do well. Yeah, he had a few touchdowns in the preseason. Uh, let's go to quote number two. Paxton is gone. The story is gone with him. We have a big game on Sunday. We have three quarterbacks in our house that we feel good about. But Paxton, that's gone, and that story should be gone with him. I wish him well. He deserves that.
3: Yeah, that was VJ.
1: Yep, Vance Joseph, uh, of course, talking about uh, – how the team brought in Kevin Hogan this week and uh, waived Paxton Lynch, Paxton Lynch, a first-round pick from a couple of years ago, uh, looking for a fresh start elsewhere. Um, okay, so you got two out of three. You're already a winner here on the neutral zone. But uh, let's do one more. Okay. Perfect. All right. Here's the third and final quote. There have only been a couple who have worn number 30 after TD. It's an honor to be able to wear his number. I just want to wear it with pride. And do some work with it. Oh,
3: that's my fantasy uh, third running back, Philip
1: Lindsay. Yes, it is, Philip Lindsay. Well, you picked him in fantasy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, well, hopefully yeah. he gets enough touches to help you out. Uh, he'll
3: get some. He'll be coming
1: up. Okay, well, I'm a little biased, too, because uh, I'm a buff. So uh, I want to see Philip Lindsay do well, too. Right on, yeah. Okay, well, Mike, thank you so much for uh, com- coming on the podcast, and you're a winner today. Awesome guys,
3: thanks
0: again. Yeah, no problem. And now, Phil, it's uh, time for my second part of the conversation with Bob Kendota. We're going to dive a little bit into the Seahawks' offense.
3: <music>
0: Doug Baldwin. I know I saw he said he's about eighty, eighty-five percent with a knee injury. Any update there, and what sort of impact can he make when he's not a hundred percent?
3: Yeah, he may be a little better than that. Um, you know, I, I think Doug. I, I think Doug was. Uh, you know, maybe trying to downplay things just a little bit, but, uh, um, you know, they, they sort of just rested him. I mean, he does have a, he has a, a, some, uh, kind of a knee issue. And, um, he had one of the, um, from what I understand kind of the one of the injection kind of things to just try to make it better. I think they just saw, you know, he, he you know, eight year veteran, he doesn't really need to need the preseason a whole lot. So, um, just kinda of resting him and trying to get him get him into the regular season. I, I think he'll be uh you know, not having him play in the preseason. Maybe there's a little bit of rest there, but uh, you know, he's been getting a lot of work and practice and stuff like that of late. So I would think he's, you know, be pretty pretty close to being able to kind of pick up where he left off last season. But you know, we'll see. I as interesting as that is also, you know, this will be the first game with their new offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, and kinda of throwing some new things into the mix. So it'll be interesting that way to sort of see how uh it uh, gets used and if he's used it in different ways than he has been in the past.
0: Do you still view him as the number one receiving option there for Russell Wilson?
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, uh, uh, yeah, no reason that's going to change. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's been, uh, you know, 94 catches or whatever, two years ago. And I think he's uh third or fourth in basically every Seahawks uh, career receiving category. And, uh, he'll probably end his career second I and mean, everything. It'll be hard to top Steve Larson in any of the receiving categories, but, uh, um, for sure, yeah. I mean, he's their number one receiver. They got Tyler Lockett as well. Uh, they signed Brandon Marshall. He had a pretty good uh, preseason, and he, uh, you know, those that, those would probably be their top three receivers when they when they go to three receiver sets. Um, you know, a guy named David Moore. They really like to um, played a little bit last year, but this will be his first first uh, full game coming up that way. Um, you know, so um, uh, but there's no question. Doug is still the leader of their receiving quarter.
0: We talked about uh, Russell there for a second. I know Broncos fans probably still have um, some bad memories there from Super Bowl 48, from the way he played. He led the league in touchdown passes last year, but particularly when he plays teams that he doesn't see all that often, so a team like the Broncos that he plays every four years. What sort of challenges can Russell Wilson pose for teams that they don't see him twice a year, they don't see him every year in conference? Um, Because of the way he plays, what does he do that's dangerous?
3: Yeah, well, he just, uh, you know, he, um, it, I mean, his mobility is the number one thing that just that just makes him stand out. You know, he can make so many plays when when things break down, and uh, you know, this guy's had enough uh, offensive line struggles the last couple of years. He, he's got more experience than he than he wanted to, I'm sure. Uh, by kind of having to uh, kind of kind of having to make something out of nothing when things go haywire, but yeah, that's the biggest thing. It, that's just that's just impossible to prepare for, you know, a quarterback who can who can run the way he can and make plays with his feet and all of that. So that's really the that's really the big challenge always of teams that, that play against the Seahawks.
0: And then, Bob, I know uh, not a position that often gets a ton of attention, but Michael Dixon, the punter, has uh, gotten quite a bit of uh, attention on Twitter, on Facebook for – I think he had a couple punts go out at the th- three-yard line. They bounced down there and went straight sideways – what kind of weapon is he, and is is he a, uh, as big a deal as we've been hearing about?
3: Yeah, well, it's interesting to see, you know, they, can he do this for 16 regular season games? And it's sort of hard to game plan for a punter, you know. So that's, I know that's what people have been saying is, you know, there's a lot, a lot of times with rookies in preseason games, you know, you kind of take it with a grain of salt because you don't know what will happen once other teams game plan and, you know, things like that. But, you know, punting, uh, that, that should be able to sort of translate pretty, pretty quickly or pretty easily from, uh, uh, preseason to regular season um yeah he just you know he's uh, he's australian um grew up playing australian rules football uh and then before uh, deciding to give um you know punting an american football a shot and so he just has a lot of unique things he can do to kick the ball and, and you know unique ways he can spin it and all of that and so uh for sure uh, you know that that was the the two you're talking about were in the minnesota game uh in, in the third game of the preseason. And, and uh, you know, the, the Seahawks, Pete Carroll is a you know a defensive coach at heart. I mean, that's what he grew up with. and uh, He's always going to want to be a little bit, uh, you know, play that a field position kind of game if he can. And um, John Ryan was the punter here for a long time and was very good for most of that time. Uh, it slipped a little bit last year. You know, If you go back and look at the numbers, their net punting averages and things like that were... Quite as good as they were, say in the in the couple of Super Bowl years they had. When uh, particularly in 2013, they spent most of the year um, on pace to break the NFL record for a fewest punt return yards allowed until they gave up a gave up a long one in one of their last games. But you know that was a huge thing for them that year was just kind of winning the field position battle through punting all the time. And so that was something they obviously made a priority to try to get back to by trading up in the draft to then uh, draft Michael Dixon in the fifth round and. Everything in the preseason look like uh, you know it's a pick that'll pay
0: off. The Broncos certainly also have a punter that uh, people will be paying attention to in Marquette King. Um, Bob, I won't ask you to make a prediction this early in the week, but what's something that's going to decide who wins this game on Sunday uh, in both of the teams' openers?
3: Yeah, well, I I mean, the the Seahawks certainly have a lot of questions. I mean, that we kind of talked at the top about. Earl in the safety position and things like that. I mean, that's really going to be one of the most interesting things to watch is just how how does the defense look with what's really a almost a completely remade secondary. And uh, um, so that'll that'll really be something to, to watch from a Seattle standpoint. And then you know Seattle's big thing offensively is they want to get back to being able to run the ball better. And uh, you know there were some promising signs in the preseason, but again, it's the preseason and all that. I'll be really you know curious to see just how well can they do that. Uh, can they? can they kind of shorten the game that way a little bit and, uh, you know, use the run to, to to just make their offense a little bit more efficient than it was last year when they were really scattershot, you know, 10 of three and outs and, you know, then they hit some big plays and, you know, it didn't really have any, a lot of times it just felt like it had no rhyme or rhythm to it. And, uh, you know, so they really want to get back to doing that. So I think that'll be the, the other big thing from a Seattle standpoint is just, you know, they're definitely going to come out early and try to show they can run the ball. Um, you know, if they can do it, um, you know, that will help their
0: cause greatly. Broncos are uh, really good against a run a year ago. We'll see if they can hold up against Seattle on Sunday. Uh, Bob, thanks for joining us.
3: Okay, thank you. All right.
0: That was part two of my conversation with the Seattle Times' Bob Kendota. Some interesting thoughts there from him about how this game is going to be won. But, Phil, uh, you're in the Broncos facility every day. What do you think from uh, here in Denver?
1: I think that you just want to see the offense get off to a good start, really turn the page from that 5-11 and season from a year ago get off to a good start, move the ball a little bit. We've seen the, the offense do that later in the preseason where they were really able to string some drives along and find the end zone. I think that that's what Broncos country is looking for. Hey, we brought in Case Keenum. We've heard about all these draft picks. We want to see them do it when it really matters and uh, really just like get some excitement around the team going. And um, I think that just finding some early success in the game will be big. Eric also, of course, like we talked about at the top of the show, keeping uh, Russell Wilson under wraps a little bit and don't let him get out of the pocket and really be able to create because that's when he's most dangerous.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you there about the early start. Let the crowd get involved. I mean, there's a reason that the Broncos have been so successful in home openers. It's because that crowd's been rocking a mile high, really hard for teams to get any semblance of momentum going. And so if the Broncos can go out there, put up a touchdown in one of the first couple drives, if Chris Harris Jr. or Bradley Roby can get an interception, if Von Miller or Bradley Chubb can bring down Russell Wilson and kind of get things flowing again. It's been a long time, probably almost a calendar year since there was this much hope in Broncos country because we kind of we went on that eight-game losing streak last year and kind of got down in the in the dumps a little bit. But if you can get back to that spirit you had when you were 3 and 1 last year, get things going against the Seahawks, I think you're going to be in a good spot.
1: A lot of talk about that Seahawks secondary, but for the Broncos secondary, you want them to come in and really maybe get a turnover early. That's one thing that we've seen is when Russell Wilson feels like he has to force the issue and start creating plays, does have a little bit of a tendency to start turning the ball over a little bit. If you can do that and really get the momentum going In the Broncos' favor, I think that's a key to success uh, against the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people are talking about what is this Broncos' offense going to do. The defense to me is just as interesting. Can the run defense be as good as it was a year ago when they were first in the NFL in yards per carry? Can the secondary eliminate those situations where you've got wide-open receivers running down the field, where you've got tight ends streaking up the middle and catching touchdown passes? Obviously, the Broncos' defense was put in some bad spots last year in terms of field position, but if they can clamp down I think the offense is going to do just enough for them to win quite a few games. Yeah,
1: I agree with you. And, hey, it's exciting, right? Let's get the real thing starting. You know, the preseason for – a couple of nerds like us that are really invested in it. We work for the team. We're into the preseason, but for most fans, this is really the start of football season.
0: Yep. Yep. And I think, uh, it's not too early even after this week to start looking at who's won and who's lost and how does that start shaping things for the rest of the season? You know, we get into division games pretty quickly and, uh, We're going to turn around in just a few weeks and be like, holy cow, half the season's gone. So uh, I'm excited to get to it.
1: Let's get it going. Uh, That's going to do it for us this week on the Neutral Zone here. Our thanks to our guests. Todd Davis for coming on, talking about being named a captain, and also Bob Condota from the Seattle Times. Thank you so much for coming on this week. And make sure to uh, follow Eric Dalala at Eric Dalala on Twitter, as well as me at Phil Milani. And also be sure to subscribe and uh, rate this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. Tune in. Tune in. Eric always coming through with a tune in.
0: Broncos Audio Zone.
1: The Broncos Audio Zone. You can always uh, give us a listen on the, the app or on uh, online as well at DenverBroncos.com. But that is going to do it for us. We hope you enjoy the game on Sunday. That's been this week's Neutral Zone. For Eric Dalala. I'm Phil Milani.